0: more church let me read one scripture here in Colossians chapter 1 verse 24 now rejoice in what was suffered for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body which is the church starts out here now I rejoice Rejoice in what I'm suffering. How sick is that? Okay, I'm just, I just want to ask: is that, do y'all rejoice when you're suffering? Is that normal? Uh, I'm reading this, I'm like, that's not normal. I don't understand this. And this is a very hard text today. I'm, I, I was reading this, uh, I, I wanted to pass it up. I'm just saying, let's just not deal with this because I'm thinking, Paul, is he some kind of sadist? Is it what? How how sick is this to rejoice when suffering? And then and then he writes he I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction. Do we have any memory verse is that would be a a good children's song right there I don't I don't know what that means. I'm looking, I'm just, this, this hurt my head this week. I just, I always say that when I need sympathy. I want sympathy today, okay? Um, what does this, this is a very difficult passage, and and it makes me think, Paul is a very brilliant man, and and I don't know if you can relate to this, I feel like this ha- this is a daily thing with me. When you're in the presence of brilliant people, and they start talking, and you just nod your head, like you think, like you want them to know that... You know, that you know what they're talking about. Like, I haven't got a clue what they're saying, but you know, huh, yeah, yeah. And, um, and Paul is brilliant. And Paul has given us much of the New Testament. And and I would bring your attention to Peter, who was one of the 12 disciples, who, you know, the, the leader of the 12 disciples. And what Peter says about Paul, just in, case, just in case you read the Bible and you don't get it and you're scratching your head like, I, you know, and you just, you, just want to, you just want to close the pages and walk away from it, Peter writes this. He says, Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all of his letters. Speaking of these these matters, uh, his letters contain some things that are hard to understand. Yes, yes, some things that are hard to understand. Which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. And what, what Peter is saying here, first of all, he's saying what, what Paul is writing is Scripture. This is the Word of God. And I don't understand it either. Okay, that's what, that's what Peter is saying. He's like it's, just, it's hard to understand. So we're in good company, okay? We're in good company. But the heart of it seems to be suffering and Paul's willingness to suffer. Which brings up just a, a bunch of stuff that I feel like is important for us to talk about. Suffering is not one of my top ten things to preach about. Um, I, I, I try to avoid it as much as I can. But but here we are. Here we are. We're talking about suffering today. Why was Paul suffering? And I've mentioned this uh, for the past few weeks when we're talking about Colossians. Here, Paul wrote the book of Colossians, and Paul was in prison as he wrote this book. So Paul is very fami- familiar with suffering. He's in prison. Paul has experienced great persecution, and when Paul was called by God, if you remember this on the road to Damascus, and um, you know his name was Saul, he was blinded, uh, and and now his name is Paul. There was a man there who was uh, sent to baptize Paul. His name is Ananias, and Ananias didn't want anything to do with this. You know, this is Paul. He kills people. I don't want. I don't want to be near this guy. And this is what God told Ananias. God said, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him, I will show Paul, this is God speaking, I will show Paul how much he must suffer for my name. This is Paul's calling from God. I'm I'm calling Paul, I'm sending Paul out to the Gentiles and I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name. That's how it started out with Paul. Like, sign me up, you know? This, this is going to be great. And then Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I have been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I've received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, I was stoned once and left for dead. And then three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea, as in danger from my countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored, I have toiled, and I have gone, I've often gone with Without sleep, I have known hunger and thirst, and I've gone without food, and I have been cold and naked. And why? Why did Paul, why not quit? I mean, isn't, when do you say enough's enough? I can't do this anymore. And Paul didn't quit. Paul's singing, Paul's rejoicing, rejoicing the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. What is wrong with this guy? Which leads to why do you suffer? Have you suffered? I'm thinking everybody in this room has a story, and I know a lot of stories, and I know how you've suffered. But have you ever asked why? Why, why? why did I have to go through that? And, and I've got a list here of different reasons why we suffer. Part of it, one, one reason is we're just stupid, we do stupid things. That's what we do. We do stupid things. I really don't have a message from God for you on that one. I, don't know how, I can't help you with that, you know. Uh, I, I do think the Bible says if you lack wisdom, seek God. Pray, pray to God. If you're lacking wisdom, maybe you need to be praying about it. Or, or the, the, the fear of the Lord is, beginning, uh, is the beginning of wisdom. Maybe you need a little bit more fear, uh, fear of God in your life. Maybe that would help. But the consequences of doing stupid things, you reap what you sow. If you do stupid things, you're going to suffer. I had a guy in my office one time, he'd been in jail for probably 10 days, and I can't remember why he was in jail. I think it had something to do I think he beat up his girlfriend, and he's in, he's in my office, and he's telling me how he's being persecuted by those police officers. Like that's not persecution, that's punishment. There's a difference. Do you understand the difference? You're not be, that's not being persecuted. You're being punished because you did something stupid. Just thinking, maybe that's part of it. Maybe I've suffered because I've done stupid things. Or maybe I've suffered because somebody else did stupid things. And you're a victim. You're a victim of that. And, and, and I hate to say that, but I mean, people do stupid things and people get hurt. We live in a fallen world where people are sinful, people are selfish, and everybody gets hurt Eventually. That comes with sin. It comes from living in a fallen world. I think some of the suffering that we experience is because of demonic forces. I think there, and I think I see it more and more clearly all the time, that there is demonic oppression. There's demonic, um, what, possession? I think people who refuse to, to submit to Jesus Christ are being controlled by other things. I think the world would be wise to wake up and see that. Um, but there's also persecution. Jesus says, they hated me, they're going to hate you as well. You'll be hated by all, all people because, because of Jesus. That comes with being a Christian. Did you know that? Are you okay with that? Are you still ready to serve Jesus? Um, I think some of the suffering we, we experience is, is just empathy um, because we see other people hurt. And the Bible says, weep with those who weep. Um, And sometimes you see somebody who's grieving, and you can't help but to grieve with them. That's called love. That's called compassion. And it hurts to love people because people are hurting. And when people are hurting and you love them, you're going to hurt for them. Um, I think think there's one type of suffering out there, uh, and I don't know what to call it. I I wrote down it's providential. God is doing something, and you don't understand it. You can't see it. The Bible says we, 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 uh, we see in part. We know in part. Um, I don't know what God is doing, but I, I, I don't know why all the sufferings happening, but I, I know the one who does, and I trust him. And, and I, I would take you, you remember Joseph in the Old Testament? Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was accused of rape by Potiphar's wife. Spent a couple years in jail. And and, and can you imagine living that life? Why are you doing this to me, God? No, yeah, like 20 years later, 50 years later, uh, he, he becomes the prime minister of Egypt. And all these things had to happen to get him there. Maybe some things are happening in your life to get you where God needs you to be. Are you okay with that? Do you trust him? Are you willing to continue to follow him even though it hurts right now? but you know you know that God knows what's going on and you know he's got this I, I, i'm trying to communicate to us that suffering is complicated sometimes i suffer because it's my fault sometimes i suffer and it's partially my fault sometimes i suffer and it's not my fault at all it's it's complicated I don't know that we'll ever understand it, but, but I would tell you, there's, there's two types of people who go through this. I see two types of people. One, one is the person who whines and complains and gets mad at God, throws his fist at God, and why are you doing this to me? And the other one is like Paul, and rejoicing, rejoicing through suffering. It's hard to imagine. It's hard to fathom this. But uh, the, you know, I wrote this down. A the, the victim. We got a lot of people in our world who, you know, play the victim card. You know, they're a victim, and, and maybe rightly so. But Paul's not playing that card. Paul's not saying I'm a victim. And this is what I read. It's people who, who um, make themselves a victim. They make themselves the center of attention. They want. To write, I'm suffering, and I want you to know why I'm suffering. It's all about me. And they exhaust the people who truly love them and care about them. They lack the empathy and the sympathy and the compassion for other people around them who are suffering. You think you're the only one who's suffering? Like, open your eyes. Everybody in this room is suffering in, in one way or another. And, and, and the person who makes himself the victim, they lose sight of Jesus. And that's what makes them so miserable. And Paul is not doing that. Paul is rejoicing as he's praising God as he's suffering. And, and, and my goal today is, you know, how can, how can you be like Paul? What can we learn from Paul so that we, when we go through it, we can continue to praise God? And I would tell you just a couple of things. When you're going through suffering, it, it, can, it can cause you to cling to God, and that's a good thing and depend upon God, and to hear from God, and to learn what God is trying to teach you during this time. I, I really believe Men are, are worse at this than women, but men, some, maybe the only way we learn is when it hurts. Women, you can tell them something, they listen. Men, you tell them something, oh yeah, let me try that. Uh, you know, and we have to hurt ourselves to get the lesson. Uh, but maybe, maybe there's something here. God, is. this is his way of teaching us and growing us, and it's painful to grow, but Pain is required to grow. And, and maybe one of the reasons we, we rejoice is because it, it gives us an opportunity to help others when they're suffering. And that's probably the biggest thing that stood out to me in this. You, your hardships, your struggles, your pain, your strife, your tears, all that you have gone through, and it's cost you a lot. And I don't want to bring up the past. I don't, I don't want to be doing counseling after service on all the things that you all have gone through. I'm just saying, don't waste that. Invest it. Invest it in your well-being by clinging to God and growing in a relationship with God and invest it in helping other people in their walk with God. When, when I look at this, with this passage here, what, what really got my attention, it's not about why you're suffering it's about who you're suffering for. Uh, Paul, Paul writes, he, he says, I rejoice in what was suffered for you. That's the part you need to see. He's rejoicing. The reason he's rejoicing in his suffering is because he's doing it for the people of Colossians and, and for the people of uh, Philippi and, and for the Thessalonians. He, he was willing to go through what he had to go through for their salvation. Paul's rejoicing in his suffering for how it's benefiting the people that he's ministering to. And and I read this. I think it's so important. There's a little sub-note here. The New Testament never extols suffering for its own sake. You don't suffer just because suffering is fun. There's always a larger redemptive purpose behind why you're suffering. And that's what I don't want you to lose sight of. There's a reason we're going through it. Paul is not some kind of sick freak that just enjoys pain. He's a man of God that knows what it takes to help other people walk with God. And it may take suffering to make that happen. Paul loved seeing people come to Christ even more than he loved his own freedom or his own comforts or his own, you know, his own agenda. He wanted to see people come to Jesus Christ. So all the suffering that he experienced, in his mind, it's worth it. Jesus is worth it. The kingdom of God is worth it. Your salvation is worth it. And that's a mentality that I hope that every person in this room strives to have. That, okay, if I have to suffer, I'll suffer. But let me help others with what I've learned through the suffering. Help, help, let me help others come to Jesus Christ. Joyful suffering, joyful sacrifice, is giving up something that you love, which is you know, our, our comfort, our well being, giving that up for something that you love even more, which is the salvation of the people around us. That's what I don't want you to lose focus on the salvation of other people around you. It, 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 I, I wrote down, it's, it's kind of like childbirth. You know, nobody wants to go through the labor pains, right? I don't. Praise God, I'm a guy. Um, but what's on the other side? What's on the other side? Paul, I'm sure, doesn't want to go to prison. But what's on the other side? The salvation of lost people. And, and I'm saying all this is to say the worst part about your life is the best place for your ministry. The Bible says comfort others with the comfort you have received. This gives you the opportunity to minister to other people. Some people think that they've been disqualified for ministry, from ministry because of their sins, because of their, um, you know, the, their mistakes, the, the things they've the experienced. You know, I, I can never serve God. I can, no, you can if you've learned from it, if you've repented, and, and 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 you hear from God and you and you grow in it. This is actually what qualifies you to minister to other people. I could never tell people about the grace of God if I had not experienced the grace of God for myself. And it was pain that helped me experience the grace of God. And in this room, there is great opportunity for all the people in this room, all the experiences that we've had collectively, all the lessons that we've learned. There is great opportunity here for us to be unleashed into a world that needs to be comforted and that needs that needs Jesus Christ. And who is better qualified to do that than you who've experienced, you've experienced some pain? If you're willing to share what Jesus has shared with you as you went through it, then you are a great gift from God to others. And your ministry is significant. And I'm just begging you, don't waste it. Don't waste it. All right, we go on to the verse, one verse, I'm still in uh, verse 24. Now rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up my flesh what is lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. Okay, what in the world is that talking about? What's, what is lacking? What could possibly be lacking in Christ's affliction? Did he not say it is finished? Did he not pay it all? What has he not done? He he went through great suffering to bring us salvation. And here Paul saying, but something's lacking. What's lacking? Well, in one sense, the work of salvation is complete. Jesus has done it all. He's done everything. But in another sense, it's incomplete because there's still a lot of people who have not heard. There's still a lot of people who have not responded. Martin Luther, he said, it it wouldn't matter if Jesus died a thousand times if no, no one ever heard about it. Carl Henry says the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. It's great news, but it's got to get there. People have to hear. And maybe for that to happen means we have got to die to ourselves and suffer. I I would tell you this is... Some of the great missionaries of the past, this is exactly what they did and they were willing to do. They went to uh, the terrible places, hard-to-reach hard places. They were martyred. Many of them died for their faith. They were willing to go through it because they wanted to see the lost people get saved. Paul says, Christ's sufferings are not, uh, well, Christ's sufferings are not complete in the full sense until you hear and respond. And, and he says, if it takes my suffering to bring that to pass, I will gladly go through it. Paul is willing to suffer. Paul sees himself as a servant. And let's go on to the next verse. And You see this. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. Paul sees himself as a servant. Paul knows what it's going to take to reach the lost. It's going to require suffering. Paul was a God-ordained servant of the precious truth of the Word of God and its fullness. He was chosen by God to fulfill the Word. He was commissioned to make the Word of God fully known. The word commissioned, he says, I'm a servant commissioned by God. The word commissioned means I have been assigned by God to do this job. And let me just take a moment here to ask you about yourself here. Do you see yourself as a servant of God? And it's my hope and prayer that every person in this room who calls yourself a Christian, who's experienced the grace of God, the love of God, the the forgiveness that only comes from from Jesus Christ, I hope that you understand. Calling yourself a Christian means I belong to him. I'm a part of the body of Christ. I exist to serve him. Paul says he's a servant. Do you see yourself as a servant? Paul says, I've been commissioned by God. I want to ask you, do you see yourself as being commissioned by God? Because you are. You have been commissioned by God. You have been given an assignment. All of us, collectively, have been given the the Great Commission to go into all the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to teach them to do do everything I've commanded you. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 28. We have been given the Great Commission. We are stewards of the Great Commission. We've been entrusted with the Great Commission. Paul says, God gave it to me for you. And and, and we can say this as well. God has given us this commission for the people who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Why why was Paul commissioned? He says, to present to to you the word of God in its fullness. And Paul knew to do this would 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 require suffering. He writes in 2 Timothy 2, Therefore I endured everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus. I endure everything so that they may obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus. I endure. I will endure, because I will serve God, and I will do whatever it takes. Jesus says, "As the Father sent me, I'm sending you." And how did the Father send Jesus? Jesus suffered a lot of things to redeem you, to redeem the lost. And Jesus says, "As, as He sent me, that's how I'm sending you. You're going to suffer a lot of things to get the job done. Do you know what you're signing up for? Are you you ready? Are you willing? Are you okay with this? Or are you going to shake your fist at God and get mad at him? And say, it's not fair. I don't want to do this. Look at what Jesus did for you. Look at what Paul did to bring us the New Testament. Christ suffered to accomplish salvation. We suffer to spread salvation. This is a hard message. What are you willing to do for the people who don't know Jesus? Are you willing to do anything? Do you care that there are people who are going to hell? Because they do not know the love of God. They don't know the grace of God. They don't don't know the forgiveness that only God can, can, can bring. A real servant wants people to know Jesus. Jesus says, I've come so they may have life and have it to the full. I want people to experience these blessings that that come from Jesus. I want them to have this abundant life that only comes from Jesus. A real servant wants this for, for others. Do you want this for others? A real servant wants people to grow into the image of Jesus, to keep their eyes fixed on Jesus. A real servant knows that without Jesus, men are lost and doomed to judgment. Do you understand there are people who are going to hell because they reject Jesus? A real servant of the Lord suffers whatever burden and pain is necessary to get the job done prison, persecution, slander. May the Lord find us faithful. goes on here, verse 26. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ Jesus in you, the hope of glory. He talks about this mystery, and I think a lot of people, they don't get it. They just don't understand Christianity. They don't understand the Word of God. It's just all, it's a mystery. That's how the Bible describes it. It's a mystery. A lot of people don't get it. Like, What's up with you? Why, why do you act like you act? Why, why do you do what you do? I don't get it. I don't get it. And, and this mystery, what, what this tells me, it's been hidden for ages, generations. All the, all the prophecies that pointed Jesus, it was a mystery. But Paul says, but this mystery has been made known. What, what the, it's Jesus Christ is in you. That's, what, that's the mystery right here. Christ is in you. That's what people don't get. Why are you rejoicing when you're suffering? Because Christ is in me. Because the Holy Spirit is in me. The person, the power, the presence of God dwells in me. And and, and when you understand Christ is in, see, this is what separates God's people from people who, who don't know God. This is why God's people can rejoice in suffering. And the rest of the world looks at you and they're just confused and they're like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand you. Because my identity is not in my suffering. My identity is in my Savior, the hope of glory. And I know where I'm going. I know what's on the other side. I know whatever suffering I experience here on this earth is temporary. But I'm going to a place where there'll be no more dying, no more weeping, no more pain. That's that's what separates us from everyone else. Suffering is not your identity, Christian. Suffering is not your eternity. This is temporary. And you are not the center of the universe, which is a huge lesson to learn. Our focus is on Jesus. And when our focus is on Jesus, we will rejoice and we will worship. If Jesus is the center, it allows, it allows us to identify with Jesus. It allows us to cling to Jesus. It allows us to learn from Jesus. And it allows us to help others. And what an awesome gift this is from God. Right there, what an awesome gift this is from God, that Jesus is the center, I'm not. So I take my focus off myself, and this gives me perspective, it gives me purpose, it gives me empathy, it gives me love for the people around me. My suffering is not my focus. My Savior is my focus. And this is where our joy comes from. This is why the Christian is able to rejoice. Christ is in you. And when you understand that, first thing you need to understand about ministry is that you are all in ministry. Okay, everybody in this room who calls yourself a Christian, you are in ministry. You are full-time ministers. Um, I get a paycheck, you don't, sorry. Uh, but um, but what, what, Christ is in you. Wherever you live, wherever you go, you represent. You bring the presence of God with you. And how important that is for this world. I had somebody in my office this week. Okay, I, 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 I think it's safe. I, um, I wasn't doing do Uh this. But someone came in my office, and, and they were at a Bible study at our house this week. And, um, ladies Bible study. I didn't get to go. Um, and, and, and they came in my office and said, all those women were glowing. And with tears in her eyes, she says, I want that. I'm like, why were they glowing? I know why. It's because Jesus Christ was in them. Jesus Christ lives in them. They represent. And and, and another part of this passage says in verse 29, to this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. I mean, we can't do this without his energy that's that's sustaining us and working in us. The only way Paul could endure all that he endured was because the Holy Spirit was, was sustaining him the supernatural energy that comes from God. Paul relied on the Holy Spirit to do what, what, what he did. We have to rely on the Holy Spirit to do what, what we are called to do. But the objective here, understand the objective, this, you see this in verse 28, is maturity. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ Jesus. Or another translation so says perfect in Christ Jesus. To be all that God has called you to be. All that God wants you to be. In this translation, it's mature. And for that to happen, a couple things I see are are necessary. One, he's warning and teaching. We proclaim everyone, warning everyone, and teaching everyone. Well, what are you warning them? What are you teaching them? We're warning them what the Word of God says. We're teaching them what the Word of God says, which is the, the Bible, for, for this to happen, for maturity to happen, we need the Word of God. We need the Bible. Uh, it says in verse 25, I have, I have become its servant by, by the commission of God that God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness. Jesus-centered instruction. Christ-centered instruction. Another thing maturity requires is relationships, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. We are the body of Christ. All of us together, we're the body of Christ, we're servants of Christ, the church, his disciples. Paul suffered for the church. Paul suffered to make disciples. The disciples are the church. So here I see we need warning and teaching, we need relationships, we need the Bible, we need the church. For maturity to really happen, you need the Bible, the Word of God, and you need the people of God. And one more thing, one more thing, and this is actually in the next next chapter, and we're going to get to it here um, in a couple weeks from now. I just want to mention it right now. In Colossians 2, verse 1, it says, I want you to know, okay, this discernment is what you you need here. I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you and, and for those in Laodicea, for those um, all who have not met me personally, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. And then he warns in verse 4, I tell you this so that no one may, may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. And this is where we're going, fine-sounding arguments a couple weeks from now. Um, it, but you need discernment because there's a whole lot of fine-sounding arguments out there. A whole lot of stuff that's not the Word of God. That's not the will of God. But, man, it sounds really good. Get on the Internet, see something, oh, that's, a, that's not the Word of God. It's not the will of God. To watch the news, it's not the Word of God. It's not the will of God. Maybe you go to church. Yeah, I, hate, oh, I hate putting that one in there. But sometimes, I mean, you got to check out what I'm saying. Is this the Word of God? Is this the will of God? Don't want some fine-sounding argument to deceive you. And keep you from becoming all that God wants you to be. We need the Word of God, we need the people of God, and we need discernment. Let me end. I got four questions here I want to ask you real quick. Um, looking at this passage, how do, how, what, what do we take home? You know, what, what is here? That, what am I supposed to do with this? Well, let me ask you the first question How are you handling the suffering that comes your way? Are you rejoicing? Or are you mad at God? The pains from your past, maybe some that you haven't healed from yet, you're still going through it. How how can it be used to glorify God? How can it help you grow in your walk with God? And, and, And the best question is, how can you use it to help others in their walk with God? Don't don't waste that pain. Don't waste that suffering. Invest it. Use it for God's glory. Use it to help the people around you. Let me ask you another question. Where and how are you filling up Christ's afflictions? That part of the passage that I really had a hard time with. How are you filling up Christ's afflictions? Do you show in your life the marks of suffering and sacrifice that that are required for people who don't know Christ? Have you suffered? Have you sacrificed for others? Do you realize how short this life is, and that what you've been given, you've been given so that you can invest it in eternity? Is Jesus in his kingdom getting your first and best? Are you filling Christ's afflictions on this earth? Third question here: Are you fulfilling your commission? Paul sees himself as a servant. Commissioned by God. Do you see yourself as a servant commissioned by God? Are you doing what God has given you to do? One more question. Is your life so different from the world that they look at you and all they can say, it's, it's a mystery. What is it about you that makes you so different? I mean, we know what the answer is. is because Christ is in you. But can they see that? Can others see Christ in you? One more question. I, I'm making this up as I go now. Might be a few more. What are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with what you just heard? How does it affect your life? How's it going to make a difference in your life?